So let's get started here. And we're going to be trying to get through three fairy tales this time around. Keep it under 30 minutes this time around. And we're going to start off with um, Grimm's Fairy Tales um, Mother Hole. Or Paul. Mother Hole. They kind of call it, but it's Paul. Okay. Let's get started. Once upon a time, there was a widow who had two daughters. One of them was beautiful and industrious, the other ugly and lazy. The mother, however, loved the ugly and lazy one best, because she was her own daughter. And so the other, who was only her stepdaughter, was made to do all the work of the house, and was quite the Cinderella of the family. Her stepmother sent her out every day to sit by the well in the high road, there to spin until she made her fingers bleed. Now it chanced one day that some blood fell on the spindle, and as the girl stopped over, stooped over the well to wash off, the spindle suddenly sprang out of her hand and fell into the well. She ran home crying to tell of her misfortune, but her stepmother spoke harshly to her, and after giving her a violent scolding, said unkindly, as you have let the spindle fall into the well, you may go yourself and fetch it out. The girl went back to the well, not knowing what to do, and at last, in her distress, she jumped into the water after the spindle. She remembered nothing more until she awoke and found herself in a beautiful meadow, full of sunshine and with countless flowers blooming in every direction. She walked over the meadow, and presently she came upon a baker's oven full of bread. And the loaves cried out to her, Take us out, take us out, or alas, we shall be burnt to a cinder. We were baked through long ago. So she took the bread shovel and drew them all out. She went on a little farther, till she came to a tree full of apples. Shake me, shake me, I pray, cried the tree. My apples, one and all, are ripe. So she shook the tree, and the apples came falling down upon her like rain. But she continued shaking until there was not a single apple left upon it. Then she carefully gathered the apples together in a heap and walked on again. The next, she, the next thing she came to was a little house, and there she saw an old woman looking out with such large teeth that she was terrified and turned to run away. But the old woman called after her, What are you afraid of, dear child? Stay with me. If you will do the work of my house properly for me, I will make you very happy. You must be very careful, however, to make my bed in the right way, for I wish you always to shake it thoroughly so that all the feathers fly about. Then they say, down there in the world, that it is snowing. For I am Mother Hall. The old woman spoke so kindly that the girl summoned up courage and agreed to enter into her service. She took care to do everything according to the old woman's bidding, and every time she made the bed, she shook it with all her might, so that the feathers flew out about 
like so many snowflakes. The old woman was as good as her word. She never spoke angrily to her and gave her roast and boiled meats every day. So she stayed on with Mother Hall for some time, and then she began to grow unhappy. She could not at first tell why she felt sad, but she became conscious at last of a great longing to go home. Then she knew she was homesick. Although she was a thousand times better off with Mother Hall than with her mother and sister. After waiting a while, she went to Mother Hall and said, I am so homesick that I cannot stay with you any longer. For although, for although I am so happy here, I must return to my own people. Then Mother Hall said, I am pleased that you should want to go back to your own people. And as you have served me so well and faithfully, I will take you home myself. Thereupon, she led the girl by the hand up to a broad gateway. The gate was opened, and as the girl passed through, a shower of gold fell upon her, and the gold clung to her, so that she was covered with it from head to foot. This is a reward for your industry, said Mother Hall. And as she spoke, she handed her the spindle which she had dropped into the well. The gate was then closed and the girl found herself back in the old world, close to her mother's house. As she entered the courtyard, the cock who was perched on the well called out, Cock-a-doodle-doo, your golden daughters come back to you. Then she went in to her mother and sister, and as she was so richly covered with gold, they gave her a warm welcome. She related to them all that had happened, and when her mother heard how she had come by her great riches, she thought she should like her ugly, lazy daughter to go and try her fortune. So she made the sister go and sit by the well and spin. And the girl pricked her finger and thrust her hand into a thorn bush so that she might drop some blood onto the spindle. Then she threw it into the well and jumped in herself. Like her sister, she woke in the beautiful meadow and walked over it till she came to the oven. Take us out, take us out, or alas, we shall be burnt to a cinder. We were baked through long ago, cried the loaves as before. But the lazy girl answered, you think I am going to dirty my hands for you? And walked on. Presently, she came to an apple tree. Shake me, shake me, I pray, and my apples one and all are ripe cried, but she only answered, a nice thing to ask me to do. One of the apples might fall on my head, and passed on. At last she came to Mother Hall's house, and as she heard all about the large teeth from her sister, she was not afraid of them, and engaged herself without delay to the old woman. The first day she was very obedient and industrious, and exerted herself to please Mother Hall for she thought of the gold she should get in return. The next day, however, she began to dawdle over her work, and the third day she was more idle still. Then she began to lie in bed in the mornings and refused to get up. Worse still, she neglected to make the old woman's bed properly and forgot to shake it so that the feathers might fly about. So Mother Hall very soon got tired of her and told her she might go. 
The lazy girl was delighted at this and thought to herself, the gold will soon be mine. Mother Hall led her as she had led her sister to the broad gateway. But as she was passing through, instead of a shower of gold, a great bucketful of pitch came pouring over her. That is in return for your services, said the old woman, and she shut the gate. So the lazy girl had to go home covered in pitch, and the cock of the well called out as she saw her, Cock-a-doodle-doo, your dirty daughters come back to you. But try what she would, she could not get the pitch off, and it stuck to her as long as she lived. That's interesting. Sorry, you guys. For everyone. All right. And next up we have the Golden Goose. There was a man who had three sons and the youngest of whom was called Dumpling, and was despised, mocked, and sneered at on every occasion. It happened that the eldest wanted to go into the forest from Dehue Wood, and before he went, his mother gave him a beautiful sweet cake and a bottle of wine in order that he might not suffer from hunger or thirst. Come. When he entered the forest, he met a little gray-haired old man who bade him good day and said, Do give me a piece of cake of cake out of your pocket, and let me have a draught of your wine. I am so hungry and thirsty. But the clever son answered, If I give you my cake and wine, I shall have none for myself. Be off with you. And he left the little man standing and went on. But when he began to hew down a tree, it was not long before he made a false stroke, and the axe cut him in the arm, so that he had to go home and have it bound up. And this was the great little gray man's doing, in case you didn't know. After this, the second son went into the forest, and his mother gave him, like the eldest, a cake and a bottle of wine. The little gray man met him likewise and asked him for a piece of cake and a drink of wine. But the second son, too, said sensibly enough, What I give you will be taken away from myself. Be off. And he left the little man standing and went on. His punishment, however, was not delayed. When he made a few blows at the tree, he struck himself in the leg so that he had to be carried home. Then Dumbling said, Father, let me go and cut wood. The father answered, Your brothers have hurt themselves with it. Leave it alone and do not, un not understand. You do not understand anything about it. But Dumbling begged so long that at last he said, Just go then. You will get wiser by hurting yourself. His mother gave him a cake made with water and baked in the cinders, and with it a bottle of sour beer. When he came to the forest, the little old gray man met him likewise, and greeting him said, Give me a piece of your cake and a drink out of your bottle. I am so hungry and thirsty. Dumbling answered, I have only cinder cake and sour beer. If that pleases you, we will sit down and eat. So they sat down, and when Dumbling pulled out his cinder cake, it was a fine sweet cake, and the sour beer had become good wine. 
So they ate and drank. And after that, the little man said, Since you have a good heart and are willing to divide what you have, I will give you good luck. There stands an old tree. Cut it down and you will find something at the roots. Then the little man took leave of him. Dumbling went and cut down the tree. And when it fell, there was a goose sitting in the roots with feathers of pure gold. He lifted her up and taking her with him, went to an inn where he thought he would stay the night. Now the host had three daughters who saw the goose and were curious to know what such a wonderful, wonderful, know what such a wonderful bird might be and would have liked to have one of its golden feathers. The eldest thought, I shall soon find an opportunity of pulling out a feather. And as soon as Dumbling had gone, she gone out. She seized the goose by the wing, but her finger and her hand remained sticking fast to it. The second came soon afterwards, thinking only of how she might get a feather for herself. But she had scarcely touched her sister, then she was held fast. At last, the third also came in with a the like intent, and the other screamed out, Keep away, for goodness sake, keep away. But she did not understand why she was to keep away. The others are there, she thought, I may as well be there too, and ran to them. But as soon as she had touched her sister, she remained sticking fast to her. So they had to spend the night with the goose. The next morning, Dumbling took the goose under his arm and set out, without troubling himself about three girls who were hanging on to it. They were obliged to run after him continually, now left, now right, wherever his legs took him. In the middle of the fields, the parson met them, and when he saw the procession, he said, For shame, you good-for-nothing girls! Why are you running across the fields after this young man? Is that seemly? At the same time, he seized the youngest by the hand in order to pull her away. But as soon as he touched her, he likewise became stuck fast and was himself obliged to run behind. <laughs> Before long, the sexton came by and saw his master, the parson, running behind three girls. He was astonished at this and called out, Hi, your reverence, wither away so quickly. Do not forget that we have a christening, christening today. And running after him, he took him by the sleeve, but was also held fast to it. Whilst the five were trotting thus one behind the other, two laborers came with their hoes from the fields. The parson called out to them and begged that they would set him in the sexton, sexton tree. But they had scarcely touched the sexton when they were held fast, and now there were seven of them running behind Dumbling and the goat, goose. <laughs> Soon afterwards, he came to a city where a king ruled who had a daughter who was so serious that no one could make her laugh. So he had put forth a decree that whosoever should be able to make her laugh should marry her. When Dumbling heard this, he went with his goose and all her train before the king's daughter. 
and as soon as she saw the seven people running on and on, one behind the other, she began to laugh quite loudly, and as if she would never stop. Thereupon, Dumbling asked to have her for his wife, but the king did not like the son-in-law, and made all manner of excuses, and said he must first produce a man who could drink a cellar full of wine. Dumbling thought of the little gray man, who could certainly help him. So he went into the forest, and in the same place where he had felled the tree, he saw a man sitting, who had a very sorrowful face. Dumbling asked him what he was taking to heart so sorely, and he answered, I have such a great thirst and cannot quench it. Cold water I cannot stand. A barrel of wine I have just emptied, but that to me is like a drop on a hot stone. There, I can help you. Just come with me and you shall be satisfied. He led him into the king's cellar. I have to wonder, are they still following the goose? Because they haven't said that they come off of it. So that's an interesting image. Um, he led him into the king's cellar, and the man bent over the huge barrels and drank and drank till his loins hurt. And before the day was out, he had emptied all the barrels. Then Dumbling asked once more for his bride, but the king was vexed that such an ugly fellow, whom everyone called Dumbling, should take away his daughter, and he made a new condition. He must first find a man who could eat a whole mountain of bread. Dumbling did not think long, but went straight into the forest, and where in the same place there sat a man who was tying up his body with a strap, and making an awful face, and saying, I have eaten a whole oven full of rolls, but what good is that when one has such a hunger as I? My stomach remains empty, and I must tie myself up if I am not to die of hunger. At this Dumbling was glad, and said, Get up and come with me, you shall eat yourself full. He led him to the king's palace, where all the flour in the whole kingdom was collected and from it he caused a huge mountain of bread to be baked. The man from the forest stood before it, began to eat, and by the end of one day the whole mountain had vanished. Then Dumbling, for the third time, asked for his bride. But the king again sought a way out, and ordered a ship which could sail on land and on water. As soon as you come sailing back in it, said he, you shall have my daughter for bride. Dumbling went straight into the forest, and there sat the little gray man to whom he had given his cake. When he heard what Dumbling wanted, he said, since you have given me to eat and to drink, I will give you the ship, and I do all this because you were once kind to me. Then he gave him the ship which could sail on land and water. And when the king saw that, he could no longer prevent him from having his daughter. The wedding was celebrated, and after the king's death, Dumbling inherited his kingdom and lived for a long time contentedly with his wife. 
they don't mention that the that the people ever were released from the goose. So let me see. Let me just double check that because that's that's what I was thinking. No, they don't mention it. <laughs> so they don't mention that they were released from the goose. So they could have been just following the goose for all their days, for all we know. It was it was a plot point. Then there's a plot hole. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so the last story in our. And our set of three is the Robber Bridegroom. Alright, so our next one is going to be the the Robber Bridegroom. That'll be all for tonight. Um, Alright, the Robber Bridegroom. There was once a miller who had one beautiful daughter. And as she was grown up, he was anxious that she should be well married and provided for. He said to himself, I will give her to the first suitable man who comes and asks for her hand. Not long after, a suitor appeared, and as he appeared to be very rich, and the miller could see nothing in him that which he could find fault, he betrothed his daughter to him. But the girl did not care for the man, as the girl ought to care for her betrothed husband. She did not feel that she could trust him, and could not look to at him or think of him without an inward shudder. One day he said to her, You have not yet paid me a visit, although we have been betrothed for some time. I do not know where your house is, she answered. My house is out there in the dark forest, he said. She tried to excuse herself by saying she would not be able to find the way thither. Her betrothed only replied, You must come and see me next Sunday. I have already invited guests for that day, and you may not mistake the way. I will strew ashes along the path. When Sunday came, and it was time for the girl to start, a feeling of dread came over her, which she could not explain, and that she might be able to find her path again. She filled her pockets with peas and lentils to sprinkle on the ground as she went along. On reaching the entrance to the forest, she found the path strewed with ashes, and these she followed, throwing down some peas on either side of her at every step she took. She walked the whole day until she came to the deepest, darkest part of the forest. There she saw a lonely house, looking so grim and mysterious, that it did not please her at all. She stepped inside, but not a soul was to be seen, and a great silence reigned throughout. Suddenly, a voice cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden fair, linger not in this murderer's lair. The girl looked up and saw that the voice came from a bird hanging in a cage on the wall. 
again it cried, Turn back, turn back, young maiden fair, linger not in this murderer's lair. The girl passed on, going from room to room of the house, but they were all empty, until and still she saw no one. At last she came to the cellar, and there sat a very, very old woman, who could not keep her head from shaking. Can you tell me, asked the girl, if my betrothed husband lives here? Ah, you poor child, answered the old woman, what a place for you to come to. This is a murderer's den. You think yourself a promised bride, and that your marriage will soon take place. But it is with death that you will keep your marriage feast. Look, do you see that large cauldron of water which I am obliged to keep on fire? As soon as they have you in their power, they will kill you without mercy, and cook you and eat you, for they are eaters of men. If I did not take pity on you and save you, you would be lost. Thereupon the old woman led her behind a large cask, which quite hid her from view. Keep as still as a mouse, she said. Do not move or speak, for it will be all over for with you. Tonight, when the robbers are all asleep, we will flee together. I have long been waiting for an opportunity to escape. The words were hardly out of her mouth when the godless crew returned, dragging another young girl behind them. They were all drunk and paid no heed to her cries and lamentations. They gave her wine to drink, three glasses full, one of white, one of red, and one of yellow. And with that, her heart gave way and she died. Then they tore off her dainty clothing laid her on a table and cut her beautiful body into pieces and sprinkled salt upon it. The poor betrothed girl crouched trembling and shuddering behind the cask, for she saw what a terrible fate had been intended for her by the robbers. One of them now noticed a gold ring still remaining on the little finger of the murdered girl, and as he could not draw it off easily, he took a hatchet and cut off the finger. But the ring sprang into the air and fell behind the cask into the lap of the girl who was hiding there. The robber took a light and began looking for it, but he could not find it. Have you looked behind the large cask? said one of the others. But the old woman called out, Come and eat your suppers, and let the thing be still be till tomorrow. The finger won't run away. The old woman is right, said the robbers. And they ceased looking for the finger and sat down. The old woman then mixed a sleeping draught with their wine, and before long they were all lying on the floor of the cellar, fast asleep and snoring. As soon as the girl was assured of this, she came from behind the cask. She was obliged to step over the bodies of the sleepers, who were lying close together, and every moment she was filled with renewed dread, every moment lest she should wake, awaken them. But God helped her, so that they, she passed safely over them, and then she and the old woman went upstairs, opened the door, and hastened as fast as they could from the murderer's den. They found the ashes scattered by the wind, but the peas and lentils had sprouted and grown sufficiently above the ground to guide them in the moonlight along the path. 
All night long they walked, and it was morning before they reached the mill. Then the girl told her father all that had happened. The day came that had been fixed for the marriage. The bridegroom arrived, and also a large company of guests, for the miller had taken to invite all his friends and relations. As they sat at the feast, each guest in turn was asked to tell a tale. The bride sat still and did not say a word. And you, my love, said the bridegroom, turning to her, is there no tale you know? Tell us something. I will tell you a dream then, said the bride. I went alone through a forest and came at last to a house. Not a soul could find could I find within, but a bird that was hanging in a cage on the wall cried. Turn back, turn back, young maiden fair, linger not in this murderer's lair. And again, a second time, it said these words. My darling, this is only a dream. I went on through the house from room to room, but they were all empty, and everything was so grim and mysterious. At last I went down to the cellar, and there sat a very, very old woman, who could not keep her head still. I asked her if my betrothed lived here. She answered, Ah, you poor child, you are come to a murderer's den. Your betrothed does indeed live here, but he will kill you without mercy afterwards, cook and eat you. My darling, this is only a dream. The old woman hid me behind a large cask, and scarcely had she done this when the robbers returned home, dragging a young girl along with them. They gave her three kinds of wine to drink, white, red, and yellow, and with that she died. My darling, this is only a dream. Then they tore off her dainty clothing and cut her beautiful body into pieces and sprinkled salt upon it. My darling, this is only a dream. And one of the robbers saw that there was a gold ring left on her finger, and as it was difficult to draw off, he took a hatchet and cut off her finger. But the finger sprang into the air and fell behind the cask right into my lap. And here is the finger with the ring. And with these words, the bride drew forth a finger and shewed it to the assembled guests. The bridegroom who during this recital had grown deadly pale, up and tried to escape. But the guests seized him and held him fast. They delivered, they delivered him up to justice, and he and all his murderous band were condemned to death for their wicked deeds. <laughs> well, he gets his in the end. All right. Thank you all for popping in. And I said three stories, so that's what we'll be doing. It is a little after 8 30, 8 almost 8 40. So um, we're going to stop there for tonight. Thank you all for popping in. I hope to see you again on Sunday because Saturday is my day off. <laughs> um, not that I don't love all you people, but um, I have day off occasionally. Um, so Sunday is same same time, same place. Once again, we'll be coming around again for our 
Silly or Surreal Sunday, and this is going to be the next chapter to Alice in Wonderland. So pop in around 8 p.m. and you'll see me once again reading from Alice in Wonderland, the next chapter. So thank you for popping in again. Have a good evening. Hope to see you on Sunday and have a good night.